Good morning. Today's reading is from the book of Luke, chapter 14, beginning in verse 7. Now he, Jesus, told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher, then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He said also to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say, Those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began making excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them, for I cannot excuse. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and there still is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. This is God's word for us today. Thanks, Kim. What's up, family? It's good to be together. Uh, my name is John. I'm the pastor here at Wingfoot. Uh, and so it's good to have you gathered with us this morning, whether uh, you're part of our church family, whether you're uh, checking us out, uh, whether someone invited you. Uh, we're here to renew hope in the heights in Jesus' name, that his hope, his name gives us hope. Uh, last weekend, I was not here. Some of you, maybe you noticed. I don't know, maybe you didn't notice. But I was not here. Uh, I was not uh, Josh in his uh, southern drawl. Uh, but my wife and I got invited to a wedding. Uh, and so we kind of took the time to go celebrate uh, down in Alabama with some friends. Uh, and it was interesting uh, because I realized that they do weddings different in the south. Uh, than we do up here in Ohio. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a, a wedding outside of like our Midwest, but there's like a different set of expectations. 
Uh, it was the first wedding that I'd ever, ever gone to where uh, people were wearing tuxes and they weren't on stage. It was just like, I was underdressed. It was kind of intimidating. Uh, but I realized, like, so here in Ohio, uh, receptions are very structured, or at least all the receptions that I've been to are very structured. Like, people are introduced, and then there's toasts, and, and everything is kind of, like, scheduled. Uh, but down there, you come in, and, like, it's just, like, two hours, three hours of, like, mingling and eating and dancing, and, like, stuff happens, but you're not necessarily aware of it. So it's kind of an interesting experience. Uh, but one of the things I was thinking about this past week was the idea of a guest list. Like, like we had been invited. Uh, we made the guest list. Uh, and when you put together the guest list, like some of you are actively like putting together your guest list or just put together your, your guest list for your wedding. Uh, or maybe you can kind of remember when you did that. Or maybe it's been a long time for you. But like think about an event that you plan, you put time and tension into, and you think about who are the people that I want to be there with me. Like, uh, when my wife and I started putting together our guest list for our wedding, right, it's like the second thing you do. First thing, you figure out, okay, where is it going to be and when's it going to be? And then you say, okay, who do we want there? Uh, and you know, okay, hey, this is how many seats that we have here and, and how many people can come. And so then you put together, who are the people that we care about? Right? Like, who are the people that we love, that have invested in us? Uh, who are the people that we want to be there? And sometimes there's this, like, well, they invited us to their wedding, so we have to, re- like, we have to reciprocate, right? So, and then you get the list. And, and almost always, the list is too big, right? There's too many people that you want there, and the venue only holds, like, 100 people. And then you have to do that awkward thing of, like, okay, who probably can't come? And, like, who do we really not to, want to be there? And it, like, kind of gets awkward. For the, and then you have the list, you have the list. Some of you maybe still have the Excel document. Like my wife and I had an Excel document of like addresses and all that kind of stuff, right? But what you want with that guest list is you want to have people around you who you love and who value you and, and who have invested in you and who have spent time with you and because it's a celebration, right? And so the guest list communicates like these are my people. These are ones who have invested in us and cared for us and, and we want to celebrate together. Uh, I want to give you a little kind of moment to ponder this question, right? Who's on your guest list? Right, who's on your, so think about an event. Maybe you have a shower coming up or a, a wedding or a backyard barbecue. Like, who's on your list? Right, you could probably think about a few people right off the top of your head. They're like, yeah, they're my people. Yeah, they're going to be there. They're absolutely going to be on the list. So kind of just take a moment kind of in your imagination, in your mind, like, who are those folks? And maybe you still, you have an event coming up and you know exactly who those people are. Uh, But one of the things that's interesting is that with that list that you put together, uh, kind of ponder this question, right? Like the people that I care about the most, the people that I love the most, that I want to celebrate with me, are they all exactly like me? Do do we all kind of come from the same uh, socioeconomic bracket? Do we all kind of look alike? We all kind of spend time doing the same kinds of things. You see, I think when you put that list together, this is something I was challenged with when we were putting together our guest list. It's like, how many of these people are exactly like me? Now, maybe not exactly like me, but like we have the same values. We come from the same background, right? We spend the same uh, money on things, right? We tend to gravitate towards people who are like us. And so then this text that Jesus gives us, he's talking about your guest list. Right, who's on your guest list? Who, who do you care about most? Who do you want to have relationship with? Who do you want to spend time with? And he says this, don't invite your family. Right, now, hold on. They're paying for the thing, right? So don't invite, my, don't invite your family. Don't invite your rich neighbors who you know can buy that really expensive gift on your registry. Don't invite them. He says invite the poor, the blind, the crippled, and the lame. 
I want to ask a really dangerous question. What if Jesus meant what he said? What if Jesus meant what he said? And I think he means what he says because he doubles down on it. He says, like, uh, when you throw an event, when you think about your guest list, who are the people on your list? Invite the poor, the blind, the crippled, and lame. And then he goes on and tells a whole story about it. He says, this is what my kingdom looks like. This is what my banquet looks like. You see, we've been tracking this series called Dinner with Jesus, looking at who Jesus cares about and who he spends time with. And, and this is maybe the most explicit demand that he makes about this idea of who do I spend time with? And it comes sandwiched between a, a teaching where Jesus talks about the cost at the end of discipleship, the cost of following him, and another passage where it talks about the cost of following him. In fact, at the end of 14, he says, if anyone will not renounce all that they have and follow me, he cannot be my disciple." So I think Jesus is being serious here. He's saying, who's on your guest list? Do they fit in some of these categories? And you see, what Jesus is doing is in in that first century culture, there was a very specific kind of system for relationships. And uh, he kind of hints at it when he says, uh, don't invite those who can invite you back. You see, there was kind of a reciprocal relationship. So, So if you threw a party... Uh, the party would be like kind of at this level in terms of like uh, how, how hopping it was and how much money you spent on it and the kind of food. And, and so if you got invited to a party like that, you had to return the favor and, and invite that person to a party that was like this. It had to be an equality thing. You had to communicate that, that we're on the same level by inviting you back. Now, now just ponder that for a second. Right? Because, because if that's, that's the culture, it's, that's, that's what people think is normal. It's what people have always done. It's just kind of how we do things is what they would say. But a culture like that creates a system that excludes people. I mean, think about that. Like the, just the culture of, hey, this is how we throw parties and this is what we do. It creates a whole system of relationships that would automatically exclude people. Because if you get invited to a party that's like up here and you know you can only throw a party that's down here, it would be shameful to come to that party. And even if you had a party that you could throw up here and you invited someone who was down here, it was considered like socially taboo. And so their culture of what they thought was normal and just everyday practice actually created a system that locked people into socioeconomic brackets, that locked people into where they fit. And so when Jesus says, don't invite those who can repay you, he is directly going at the way that their culture has excluded people. This is my kingdom. The thing that I'm all about is something different. And you see, I think in that day and age, it was explicit. Right? They, they knew that this was the system. They knew that this is what they did. I think in our day and age, it's a little more under the surface, right? a little bit more implicit. Like we have to kind of ask a little bit of some harder questions to say, why is my guest list all people just like me? Why, why is it that the people that I care about, why are they all like me? Why do we all spend money on the same things? Why do we all have the same set of values? Why do we all look alike? You see, underneath our culture, our our attitudes and assumptions that lead us to exclude people, that lead us to to kind of section people off based on where they live in the neighborhood, based on how much money they spend or where they spend their money, based on how we look or how we talk or what we value in our culture. See, Jesus is directly aiming at this thing that would automatically exclude people. The culture created a system. And so when he says this, Don't invite those who repay you. Don't invite your family. He's trying to subvert that culture. To say the culture of the kingdom of Jesus is something different. 
The culture of the kingdom of Jesus doesn't rank people based on their socioeconomic status or the color of their skin. The culture of Jesus does not do those things. Instead, the culture of Jesus elevates those who are minimized in the other world. He says, this is what my kingdom is about. And so I want to just ponder, with the remainder of our time, two things. I want to ponder the invitation that Jesus is offering. I want to talk about the challenge that Jesus is offering. Right? If, he's, if he's trying to push us to think about who's on our guest list, who do we care about, who do we value, who do we invite to our table, what is the invitation and what is the challenge? Right? The invitation is very clear, that when Jesus puts together his guest list, the people that are at the top of his list are the poor, the blind, the lame, and the Oh, what's the last word? <laughs> the poor, the blind, the lame, and the crippled, right? That those who are not on anyone else's list are invited to his kingdom. I mean, if you go back a couple weeks ago, we looked at Luke 4 when Jesus in- initiated his kingdom. He said, these are the people that I am coming for. And he's following through on that every step away, that the community that he is gathering around him are not the social elite or the economic elite or the religious elite. He's looking at the the highways and the hedges, the margins, and saying, come around me and come to my kingdom. Come to my table. There's a seat for you. Right, and so the invitation of Jesus, right, if if you're here and you feel like you don't fit, right, or if maybe you've been made to feel like you don't fit in church, or maybe you feel like there's a certain kind of expectation of how I'm supposed to act and how I'm supposed to spend my money and how I'm supposed to dress and how— If you feel like you don't fit, Jesus says you're invited. That you are, in fact, who my community is for. See, the community of Jesus is for outsiders and misfits. Which means if we as a church are going to be the community of Jesus, we have to be for outsiders and misfits. And so if you feel like you don't belong, Jesus says, I have a special invitation for you. That you're invited to sit at my table. And the invitation of Jesus comes with no expectations except to say yes. There's no kind of set of expectations. You don't have to bring a gift to this dinner. You don't have to bring the gift of my good deeds or the gift of my good behavior or the gift of my life change. You don't have to dress up for the invitation. All you have to do is simply say yes, and Jesus takes care of everything. And that's what he did for us on the cross when he gave his life to take care of everything that was required for you to have a seat at this table. We were outsiders and misfits, and Jesus extended the invitation to us. And it's when we forget this that we miss the kingdom of Jesus. Right? You'll notice in the middle of this passage, there's a dude who stands up, and he says, blessed is everyone who will eat in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus goes, in and he re- so this guy, he stands up in the middle of this room, and he, it's like he's giving a toast. You see, he thinks he's in. He thinks he is in Jesus' in-group. But the reality is that he's not. You see, it's so easy to think, okay, I'm in, I'm in the inner circle, I'm, I'm in Jesus' community, but Jesus is saying, no. As soon as you start thinking that you're in because of anything other than Jesus, you're not in. You're missing his community. Because his community is for people who recognize that they're in. So if you're misfits, and he makes a way for us to be at that table. And so if you're here and that's what you feel like, and Jesus has a special invitation for you. And there's no expectation but to say, Yes. As a church, right, is, is this our heart, right, that we want to extend the invitation to people, whoever they are, wherever they're coming from, to, to not look at people in light of the categories that the world places on them, the economic or racial or ethnic or cultural categories that people place on other people. But when you come into this space, you're recognized as a VIP on Jesus' guest list. 
We're going to treat you like that. And that leads to the challenge that Jesus is laying in front of us. All right, you'll notice in the parable that, that Jesus talks about this man who throws a great banquet. And he, at the end, he equates himself with that man. So the banquet that, that Jesus is talking about is his banquet. But he has a servant. And he sends that servant out to send out save the dates. He goes out and he says, tell these people that there's a banquet coming. And the servant then is called to then go uh, follow up, right? It's time to RSVP, and everyone has an excuse. And so the master turns to the servant and says, well, then go and bring people in. Bring the poor, the lame, the crippled, and the blind in. Compel them to come. The challenge of this is that once you have received the invitation of Jesus, once you follow Jesus, the challenge is to become like the servant and to be inviting people in. Right? But not just inviting people in who look like us or act like us. Right? As, I, as I've been thinking about these excuses that these people make, right? there's a guy who says, I bought a field, I got to go check it out. I bought oxen, I got to go take care of it. Uh, one guy even blames his wife. Right? That's never a, good, never a good call, especially when it ends up in Scripture. Right? But he, so, so all the excuses that these, these people make. I was thinking about this yesterday. All the excuses that they make are for immediate future concerns. Right? Something is happening, and I, have to, I don't know what's going to happen in the next day. I don't know what's going to happen in the next kind of couple moments. And so, so I have to say no to you right now because of my immediate future concern. But Jesus says, when you invite people, don't have in your mind kind of the immediate. Have in mind the end, that there's a resurrection coming. And at that table, at, at Jesus' kind of kingdom, when it comes, there's going to be a big old table. And we're going to be sitting around people that we wouldn't even expect to be there. And the poor, the crippled, the lime, and the blame are going to be, are in the, are, are they're going to be there at the table. And so the question is, right, are we going to be people who invite people in now? And I think the excuses, right? I was thinking about this yesterday. You know, if, you, uh, if you're up at Chapel Hill Mall or sometimes down on East Market Street, right, there's always someone flying a sign. Right? They got a sign that says, I need help. I'm a fire victim or, or a veteran who's down. Like, uh, so I want you to think about that moment, right, when you're, you're at that light. Because we all feel this, right? You're, you're at that light and you're deciding, okay, am I going to make eye contact with that person? And maybe that's when you tune the radio or you pull, your, you pull your phone out, right? Because, and this is, I think, what goes on in our mind. Whenever someone's, like, asking us for money, who, who fit in the category, right? The poor, who don't have ends to meet, right? Or don't have money to meet, to meet their ends. Right? What, is, what is it that is going on in our minds? If I give this guy money, I don't know what he's going to do with it. Right? That's an immediate future concern. I don't know, like, if I give this guy my, or if I stop and, and talk to them, like, what are they going to demand of me? What are they going to ask of me? Like, like, we have in mind this concern about what could happen in the next five minutes if I care for this person or if I extend an invitation or I talk to this person. That's an immediate future concern. And that becomes an excuse that keeps us from actually talking to them. An excuse from actually looking them in the eyes and seeing someone who's made in God's image with worth, value, and dignity. Right? Because of our immediate future concerns. And both of these, right, these excuses, one is about wealth and one is about my family. I mean, I think we often feel that, that angst is like, I don't know if I want to spend time with the poor because they're going to demand something of me. I don't know if I want to spend time with someone who has, who has like a physical disability because they might ask of something, something of me. It's going to take my time. It's going to take my, my energy, right? And so, so instead, we build up these excuses. And so, no, I, I, sorry, sorry, Jesus, I'm busy. I got to get to the mall. Oh, the mall is not in there. I, I got to go do stuff, right? I, I have things to do. My immediate future concerns are more important than caring about someone who's made in God's image. And that's the excuses that they're making. And so Jesus is saying, hold on a second. He's saying, if you're going to be about my kingdom, right, in my kingdom, someone like that, that's someone who Jesus is specifically inviting. 
And so if you're going to be about Jesus, you're going to, you're going to follow him. That's someone that Jesus is on Jesus' VIP list, and you're going to ignore them. Right? Because I think I have things figured out, or I know what the next five or ten minutes of my life are going to look like. But Jesus is saying, look bigger than that. At the resurrection, at the table that Jesus is setting for us, man, there's going to be people there that, that make you uncomfortable in this life. And Jesus is saying, are you going to care for those people right now? Or are you just going to ignore them and go on your way to check out your field, take care of your oxen? Man, we make these excuses. But there's two words that this parable uses to describe the servant. I think these are two really important words for us as we think about this. It's bring them in and compel them. Right, bring them in and compel them. Now, now that word compel uh, is not like when your mom dragged you to church. That's not what that word means. That word compel is like, give them a compelling reason to come. Right? Compel, com- show them how good this invitation is. Right? Meet, their, meet their questions, anticipate their concerns, and, and invite them as you compel them. You're making a compelling argument for why this table is so good, for why Jesus is so good. Right? So, so as you think about that person, maybe that you need to invite in. Are you giving them a compelling reason why and how you're living your life and how Jesus is working in your heart? But the second phrase, bring them in, is really important because uh, when the servant goes to the guests who were invited, there's no uh, instruction to bring them in because to come into a banquet like that, like they knew what happened at a banquet like that. They had been to a banquet like that, and so, so they didn't have to learn or, or kind of overcome some cultural barriers. But bringing them in is kind of like this saying of don't just invite them and tell them the address. Drive them there. Walk them there. Help them understand, like, okay, okay this is the dining room. Now, here's your seat. Completely enter and don't stand awkwardly against the wall, right? That's not what Jesus wants for you. He wants you to fully and completely enter in and to experience this. And so bringing them in is not just compelling people and saying, here's an invitation, here's a date, here's the address. It's making sure they get there and making sure that when they are there, that they can fully experience what Jesus wants for them. I think this is the, the challenge for, for those of us who follow Jesus, who are wanting to invite people and to uh, uh, bring people in to know who Jesus is, is to not just give them a date, a time, and an address, but to bring them in and make sure they can fully and completely experience what Jesus wants to do in their life. And this is why we, we, we planted a church, right? is to, to not just say, hey, here's an address like four neighborhoods over and here's where you, but to be in a community to say, hey, let's walk to church together. Right, and after, after we walk to church, man, let's go to La Loma and let's talk about it. Right, to, to make sure you understand and, and you can experience fully what Jesus wants to do in this place. And that's what it means to compel people, to invite people, to bring them in. Right, so as you think about inviting people into what Jesus is doing, right, are you bringing them in? Are you helping them understand? Are you, are you addressing their questions? Are you walking with them and as they try to figure out what does it mean to be in this space? What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to read the Bible? Like all these words that, that in our culture we just assume is known and understood, right? How do we bring people into those spaces to understand what Jesus wants to do? Because his invitation is for outsiders and misfits. And here's the thing. This is what Jesus did for us. Right? Like when, when he wanted to announce the kingdom, when he wanted to announce what God was doing, right, he didn't do it from on high. He came here and wrapped himself in human flesh. Right? He spoke the language of the people there. He spent 30 years just in the community before he ever even began his ministry. 
Right? 30 years of, of spending time with people and, and knowing people and knowing what people did with, it, with their lives. And then he said, let me tell you about the kingdom. And he walked from town to town. He ate dinner from house to house so that people could understand, this is what I'm all about. And because he did that, you and I were invited to the table. Without that, we'd still be outsiders and misfits. It's only because of who he is and what he did for us. So this morning as we approach communion, which we do every week, because this is so important to who Jesus is and what he's called us to do. This table is totally free. There's no money box. We have to put in some money to get the bread and the cup. There's no uh, kind of uh, box where you have to say, here's all the good things that I did this week, and if you do enough, then you get the, the table's free because Jesus took care of it. All that it takes is saying yes to his invitation. And when we do this, he asks us to then go take the invitation to someone else and to bring them in so that the table could be full. There's no empty seats at this table. That's his heart. Are we going to be about that heart too? So in a moment, I'm going to pray, and I want to invite you, if you have said yes to the invitation of Jesus, we're going to take this communion together. It represents the price of admission, which Jesus paid in full, his life, his death, his resurrection for us. So if you said yes to the invitation, we're going to take this together. Now, the way that we do this, you just come down the center aisle and take an element here and kind of go back to your seat as we worship, as we respond. It's an invitation to say yes to Jesus and to sit at his feet, to sit at the table and celebrate what he has done. But not just to hold that for ourselves, but to in turn then share that with someone else. If you need prayer, Maybe you are struggling. We have people who could pray for you. They'll be in the back as well. Um, but let's take this time to respond to this invitation that Jesus is offering and to celebrate what he has done. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you are so good. Uh, we were on the highways and the hedges, far away from you, and you, you put on flesh and blood. You walked down the street. You, you got into the mud of the ditch to show us what it means to know you. God, because we were on your guest list, right, we're invited to the table. But help us to see the people that we wouldn't expect to be on the guest list are VIPs. To respond to this invitation, to hold it out so that people can see just how good you are. God, help us to see the ways even which uh, our, our expectations and our culture gets in the way of, uh, of us valuing people, of inviting people in, of, of separating from people. Help us to be about the culture of your kingdom. It says that no matter what the world has said about you, you're welcome in this space. So as we respond by taking these elements, Holy Spirit, would you do a work in our hearts and minds uh, to care for one another, to lift one another up in this space uh, so that this community might reflect your kingdom in which outsiders and misfits are welcome. Pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.